Hey y'all, this is D-Rock. This is Cam. And this is The, the Heartbeat. Heartbeat. On this week's episode, Cam and D-Rock sit down with rapper Diva Lens to talk about how he came up in the rap game and what folks can expect from his brand new album, Midnight Sun, which dropped this Friday. You can check that out on Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal, links for which will be included in the show notes. But first, let's jump into that interview. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for joining us. Viva Lens. Yeah, sir. So glad to have you on, man. So uh, tell us about yourself, man. Your origin story. Your... Yeah. Yeah. I've been rapping for a real long time since back in the day. My, my love of rap, my love of the culture probably started with breakdance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what really got me into the culture. Growing up, growing up in Hartford and West Hartford, we used to do the black parties. We, okay. Yeah, I had the, had the you know, fences, you have the cops. Barriers. Break off the street, the barriers. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd all get up, tag up our kicks, get the cardboard out, and do the break dance and stuff. We had, we had a little cruise and stuff. But then when I left West Hartford and uh, spent a lot of my former years in the chess, I call it a chess. That's Manchester. I got into the music, heavy into the music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never looked back from there. Had, you know, went through on a couple different crews. My first crew, we did a lot of, we did a lot of work in New York. I used to record in New York. It's a little studio called uh, Noises and Fun. It's across. Yeah, okay. I used to go there on the weekends, court all weekend. I'd stay in the Bronx, work on a demo. That was my first crew. Since the chaos, mm-hmm. shouts out to Function, Philly. Frog along. So that's my first group. Okay. And, and it was dope. They had ties in the bridge and Bridgeport and a friend of theirs, a family member of theirs at the Bridgeport had to connect with this studio Bronx. Right. Bronx in the act. Mm-hmm. So we, we signed a, we signed a little black, black deal with them to work on our demos. Yeah. And we did that. I did that for a good two years. I was with that crew and that, that was like my training. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Those are my Obi-Wan years. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that was, uh, all right, so you, you were from the Harvard area. You started rap. I mean, what possessed you to pick up the art of yeah. rap? Yeah. yeah. Like, what was the influence? What was your early influence? Yes. How I did mean, that passion begin? Yeah. I mean, really, it was like just rocking with the breakdance of music back. Just something about, you know, something about the beats. Anybody in particular? I, I, I would say probably Shaka Khan ain't nobody. Uh-huh. Like hearing that, hearing that drive. Yeah. The feeling that made the way people could relate to that and um, feel that outside of the urban era. Mm-hmm. It was starting to spread. Yes. At that point was like, what's my doing? Deny it. And mm-hmm. that, that urban music. And I just remember that feeling. And that's what we want to get into the breakdance. Now, how I transitioned it to um, actually writing rhymes and wanting to get up front. I don't know. I don't, I can't really say, I can't really pinpoint a time mm-hmm. or a song that really, that really got me to that point. I, I, I like to say that I love all music. I wasn't like I heard Run DMC mm-hmm. or like I've heard the Beastie Boys. I'm trying to think of like, really like pillar artists. Well, yeah. If, if you're a producer, you can't be pigeonholed into one particular You got to love all genres. Public yeah. Enemy. Yeah. There's a lot of rock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our old school soul. It's, all over, the, all over the board. You bring up a good point because there was a pivotal moment at you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like in night one. So I was fooling, I was fooling around. And I always wrote my little poem, my little rhymes. And I felt like I had something I could do, mm-hmm. but I didn't really, I didn't, I don't think I had that confidence to get out there. And I hadn't really gotten into slavers, hadn't gotten into battles. I hadn't started doing it. It took another good 
year for me to start doing that and putting myself into situations where I would have to. I'm right. from that school where let's get moved in the cipher and everybody's around on the block. You know what I'm saying? It'll come it's with. time to go. Yep. No pre-written, none of that stuff. Just spit. Yeah. So spit means rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Happy. So I went to a public at the Mass Mutual back then. It was Springfield Civic Center. Yeah. And that that changed it for that was probably the moment I was like, I have to do that. Yeah. Mm. I was getting that trust, I believe. Clear trusted. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. And yeah. it was, it was PE on the bill, naughty by nature. I became like a, a cycle of a trench. Uh-huh. There was something about his spit, his cadence, the way he used multi-syllable rhyme mm-hmm. and the way he came off of bars. They just, the way he almost made it like singing. There was something different about it. I did it to the new school, Queen Latifah. Just seeing the M1s yeah. and all the shit that they did as part of the stage show. To me as a white kid, already fascinated with that shit mm-hmm. and seeing how um, they work mm-hmm. and how um driven their their fucking agenda was. Right. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yo, I I got to be a part. Of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it's coming from my perspective, I have to add something to. This. I yeah. know I can do. Something. And at that point, my family was spread out to get. And I and God bless my cousin. I call him the beat master, but my cousin Brad, he he was a professional drummer, mm-hmm. um, by trade, and he took lessons and, and he played um. He played as an amateur professional all his life for the past, but, uh, but he got me into mm-hmm. say, music theory. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know, I think, I know you listening. You come to our house in Stoney's over the wish. And I'm going to let you listen to Rush. Listen to Motley Crue. Listen to Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're rocking with Prince was fly back. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm rocking with Prince. I know you got a crush on Vanity. Right? Yeah. Apollonia, right? You listen to this shit. And, and I want you to kind of, you know what I mean? Please, everything he could throw on me. Mm-hmm. And I was just assuming something all that shit is. And of course, that TV drop and the visuals and shit. And that, I think, changed it for my generation too. And it, because it made a lot of this music just get bigger than life. And I've, I haven't done a music video yet. I'm trying, working on that. It's going to be my first. And everybody's, yo, never done a visual. And that's the thing I'm trying, I want to get out. Right. Um, because, you know, I know that's where things are now. And as far as for promotion, you got to have visual. I just want to make sure I do that. Shit. Shouts out to everybody locally here that does success, phenomenal production. But I'm going to do, I want to do some different shit. I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a Michael Jackson thriller. Um, I really want to do something that, that, a video that cats can talk. Yeah. You want to stand up? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, that show really changed and their agenda. Just, it was just serious. And I want to say the state of the world at that time was different too. I feel like, I feel like the art voice in rap wasn't as predominant at that point. Now, flash forward to now, obviously. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. We have this voice taking over. But I felt I could add some. Okay. So I heard a little bit of some of your early influences. I would say PE sound like one of, who was the guy that you pointed to was like, not necessarily studied, but just inspired you. For me, I'm not a, a rapper or anything, but the people who inspired me, first it was LL, well, not back then. First it was One DMC, then it was LL J, then it was like a uh, public enemy, then it was a uh, Chad Conquest, then it was Nas. Who are your guys? I'm gonna say, no doubt, definitely, I would say Everlast. No doubt, no question. Okay. Just his song. Not necessarily what he spit or what he spit. It was just, I guess, the whole presentation. You know, I mean, he was very, he was just authentic. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a, he wasn't a crafted artist. Right, right. You know, I mean, he came out 
was what he was. And so that was one of the guys definitely, I would say Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. Just because of the, just because of that jazz influence they had, the way they um, presented their projects, the way their beats were set up. And it, you know, I mean, a lot of cats wouldn't probably say this, but really they were like, I consider part of that novelty rap period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you didn't have to rap about plugs and drugs, the, the black. Mm-hmm. You could rap about Benita Apple Bump. And then you're not even a real person. No, you left your wall in El Segundo. You know what I mean? Yeah, like shit, yeah. like Tribe Called Quest. Red Man, I would say Red Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, his persona was definitely like larger than life. And I liked him because he was one of those rappers where like the way he spit, the way he rhymes was almost like you really had to listen and study this. Can you want to pick up what he was saying? Yeah. So the kids that might have not known the metaphors or the or the, you know, so the references, yep. you really had to school rewind. I got to get it again. Yeah. And he had the ability to make, he had the ability and not to say that Redman doesn't make songs that have specific messages or specific themes. He had the ability to just make a joint where it could be about anything and it will still be out. Yep. You could just, it could be a, a open board. So, you know, Redman. Yeah. Those are probably some of the top guys. There's probably some I'm missing for sure. All right. We were talking a little bit off mic before we got started about your label, Midnight Sons. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and the origins yeah, of sure. that label? Yeah. Uh, Midnight Sun music was born out of my last project, Midnight Sun, that came out in June of 2020. And that is an intentional setup. That's a track that I wrote, just giving just jewels to my daughter about future situations. And I, I really um, have set my publishing up and my company up in, in a position to where they can profit. Okay. Okay. So that was the reasoning. That was the reasoning behind that. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I had to come up, you know, I had to come up with something real talk. Yeah. I had to get my, I had to get my publishing in order and come up with a label. And I've been working with, I've been blessed to work with some real, um, some real heavy hitters right. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And what's dope about them is that, um, they're, they've been in the business for a long time and they're, they're doing things that like a lot, not a lot of people know about because they're more behind the scenes people. I did some work. It didn't make the project, but. I did some work with um, Jojo Pellegrino. Okay. Uh, for step. I'm shouts out to Joe and his whole kid, Raya, PCT, and, and all that. They've helped guide me through the process of becoming more um, astute with the business end of things. Right. You know, um, and getting a handle and a grip around what it takes to the right way. Right. Methodically, they just have a handle on what it is you're doing. A lot of artists, they just want to make music. And, and honestly, I like to refer to, there was with Pac, did this documentary, one of the last documentaries that he did. Forgive me, I don't know. I don't know the name. Tupac Resurrection. Right. Um, they show a clip in him in the studio. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of complaining, like, like, I'm the rap. Like, I'm going to get in here. I'm, I'm going to do what I, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all can get in here. Y'all can get five producers. And y'all can play with the mixing. Mm-hmm. And, and you work on the features that are there. But I'm out. You couldn't say so. Right. I've always been that. I'm, and I'm going to admit, I'm that type of dude. I let people do their late. Y'all do what y'all do best. Some cats do design. You know, some cats make beats. Or some cats are promoters. I, I feel like sometimes that's a downfall for artists is they want to do it all. Yeah. And be, you got to get to a point where you got to admit. You got to Yeah. You got to trust people. Yeah. Bad. yeah. You know? yeah. It, it's taken me a long time to really get to that point and be like, all right, I'm going to take little time I can dedicate that to figuring out what it is I got to do from the business and right. get everything in order. And it, then I can get back to the, and frankly, you still give out. Like, how long did you say this was going to take? <laughs> I'm going to do this then. And then you know what I mean? Yeah. Next thing it's all thrown off. 
and you can't get jammed up by it. Okay. So your new project. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. So my new project is dropping on June 24th, Natural Causes. I'm really excited about that. I recorded that project 10 years back with Doc Ish. Okay. Another book producer. Mm -hmm. uh, he did half the production on that. And then Caso Beats for Buffalo. He did the other half of that. And it kind of just sat for a long time. I did a track on there with Azar from D12. And that was, in the, that was in the vault for a long time. We had some issues around around some things and I had to just shelf it. And so it sat for a long time. And so now I'm excited. It's been remastered um, and it's going to be released on um, all digital. And some stuff didn't make the cut, but um, I'm excited. For oh, it. that's a, that's real time. You did drop a single. Yeah. From the uh, Nas, I heard a sample Nas, It Ain't Hard to Tell. Yeah. And of course, I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> What's the creative process behind that? Yeah. Yeah. So Flowing Pays was, was a track that was written a long time ago too, but um. What we pay is it just really, we use, we use the specific, specific lines from Nas uh, about, you know, giving Mike's menstrual cycles. Oh, it sounds out. But it's not, it's not, it's really, real, real talk, some of these, some of these women don't like it, but, but it's, it's metaphor. You know what I mean? It's to say that I think the whole track was born out of, out of the line. I hold the flow like the body holds its water. Once a month, I experience lyrical slower. That's what it was born. So it's like, so how do we explain an MC's feeling to just absolutely write? Right. Like to the point where you get sick, uh, to the point where you can't sleep. And they got you a sex. That's what I wanted to catch because I feel like lyricism ain't that. And there's still some cats that really are going to take that time to, you know, perfect the craft, spend the time on rhymes that are poignant and lyrical. And, and they want people to pay attention. So with, that was just a way of, Trying to get that out there, just saying, I I I know what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Let me explain for you. Know, it's talking about just being up at night, being regulated by the artificial light, or the iPhone, all that glare in your face, mm -hmm. stuff. Trying to get it out, and then, oh, guess what? You caught a bar and you said something, and the next thing you know, you're for three hours because you're just trying to get through one bar. That's like gonna make people. You said that, yeah. So, partner of mine, shouts out to them. D. Frigs, hey, the way is a uh, friend of mine from the Berry. I spent some time with him uh, in the Air Force. Okay. I'm a vet. Why? And we linked up 20 years ago, and we did time over in Dida. He's from Waterbury, and he he has some um, some brush-ups with a rapper by the name of Bass Blaster. So back in the day, and so Bass Blaster had a short run. He was signing, uh -huh. and uh, he had a short run with some New York folks. But one of the things that, and this is all right. local legend, right. and I'm going to step to it, he never really represented for Connecticut. So as he started to, and he had a couple singles he released, and he worked with, like I said, Guru, and some cats are going to, they're going to want to hand you for this, but I don't know the exact cats he worked with, but he, it was, no doubt he had some singles. Uh, but he never, one of my main surprises was, is he never rubbed Connect. Mm. He was like, yo, we Connecticut, we just, that's, that's always been a problem with this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was like, yo, he's for the third unheard. He was, you could get on it. And, and there was a lot of people who were happy and going on. And, and he was those shots out there and he was dope. But he just did, he was more claiming like he was a New York. Mm. Uh, so, so I remember first meeting Franks and he was like, yeah, I, I never heard a white dude's film. You got to do this. You know what I mean? I mean, there's space blasts, but yo, like you got to get in. So yeah, so that's how, so plumbing pays. We talked about it. We chopped it up on how you would actually execute this. You know what I mean? How you would write it. Um, the sample was really specific. Right. We wanted to capture what he said. Mm -hmm. And then it was, I just, we, we took it from there. He's like my ace in the hole because he's like a rapper that should rap too. Right. Um, shout out to him because he's got like those bars where it's like you could build on it. 
but he's not on the front type of dude. Mm-hmm. He likes to be inside. So that's how we work together. Um, we, co- we co-write a lot of stuff. You won't see 10, 10 credits on my days when we scroll down. Ah, uh, you, you, you ain't got ghost like you, you got <laughs> But it's really more or less like, D, can we do this? Throw me a bar. Okay. Can you make the whole song? You got to give me a little more. So flowing page, one of those joints that took a long time to really get it right um, and make it right. And, uh, and um, the folks that I'm working with, they, that's where they felt that was the strongest. And to, to speak to natural causes, um, great. It's a great project. It's near dear to me. It's very personal. When I came back, the concept around natural causes is, um, it's, it's the movement natural. So I used that, I drew that, drew that movie in, um, to draw the, um, draw influence. Right. Right. Stories of, it's a story about a middle-aged dude who tries to come back and engage. Really not meant for him. I took a lot of that. And it's, you see a lot of eerie similarities. Wilford Brimley in the movie, East Papa Doc, I, Doc Itch. I hadn't walked to, I hadn't stepped to a mic. Uh, it took me like 16 years actually to step into the studio. Wow. Yeah. So when I walked away from my crew when I was in high school, I kind of just, I kind of chopped it up. I said, isn't this a rap from me? Um, because it, and I think this is different from that it's from how it is now than it was back then. The things you, the things you talk about in your rhymes, you have to be right. And I don't know if this generation really understands that. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, mean? I don't know if they grasp, grasp that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. There was a time when we was riding, riding, we was body body, and I was doing my thing and battling this and that. And he was doing studio, doing demos. But when you start to get out on the blocks, mm-hmm. you start to go up. Like, is it we have And you're with people, and you're with the people that are going to consume you, the people that are going, the people that are going to say you need more people. Mm-hmm. That's when you have to check what you're saying. So my guys, I ain't that killer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ain't got keys in my bathroom or something like that. Yeah, the nonsense. Yeah. And, it's nothing against that. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing against that. But that's true. Oh. If it's real. Yeah. And so my guides, they were heavy in the street. And I went through enough where it was like, we had situations where we were up in spots and we were around blocks and it was like, look, nobody wanted to see the way. And, and so I had, really? I had to fight my way through that. Uh-huh. Where it was like, I had to get my, my, my stripes. How was that? How was that? I mean, walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> that was tough. Walk us through it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had situations like, so we, I told you we would stay in the Bronx and we would do, we would do sessions up in Noises in the Attic. And I didn't really know how much of a, of a spot Noises in the Attic had in hip hop history mm-hmm. until I did my first mixtape. Mm-hmm. I did my first mixtape with DJ Duwat. Shouts out to DJ Duwat. Okay. And then he actually, it's ill because right around that time, he did a podcast or some type of long interview where he talked about Noises in the Attic. And he's, he said it was a little spot, little hole in the wall spot. He recorded portions of 95 Live. Mm. So that was cool to know that I actually was in a spot where some, you know, heavy hitters actually did some mixtapes. But he said, and it was cool too, because he said that he was picking, he was choosy about who he did, what he did, you know, with. And it wasn't where you find a DJ who's popping on the mixtape scene. When there was a mixtape scene, you pay them for their hosting and then they do it. No, he actually said, I have to like, I have to send my whole sign, do it. For me to actually host for business, I'm supposed to be not yeah. because you popping the hot, right? To be whack popping the hot, you know what I'm saying? And just with the money, I won't put you on. I got like you. It was dope to hear that, but being there and like I said, being outside, just trying to be in that space where it was like in New York, just a vibe in New York too. That really makes you know how serious it is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by it's the mecca. It was the I know it was the mecca. This is the night. It was the mecca then. I mean, this is free. All the giants and gods that came out of New York, 
since then. And on the block, having cats, just having dudes, just not even wanting me to spit. Just hold up, dude. We don't even want to spit. Feeling that, that, that tension because it's, you really got, I feel like you got to come even more. And then the other, the flip side of it is that if you get into battle raps and so now there's battle and all this stuff and everybody's camp is on stage and it's, it's very contained. It's very light. The energy's high. Yeah. Energy's high. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I will not give this guys, uh, if you watched the verses last year, Jadakiss, the lots versus Dipset, that level of energy, I believe that's what you're talking about. It's almost like fight night level of energy. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is almost like that, like one, one more thing, just a little, like this tiny, just a little bit more, it can go side. And I remember feeling that many times. It, I remember feeling that many times. And fortunately, I was with cats who were really solid and would let me get my, get me, you know, let me get my shine on. And if I got over on somebody in the battle, it was famous quick. Mm -hmm. After done, you know what I'm saying? Done. It was good. Don't matter. Color. You know, right. he, whatever he did his thing. There was times where I felt uncomfortable. It was much of a swing. Okay. It was, it was a stroke. Cool. All right. So what's coming up? Yeah. Besides, uh, besides this remaster you've got coming out. Yeah. What do you got coming up? Yeah. You got shows that people should be coming to yep. hype yourself up right now. Yeah. We're, I'm working on enough the visual for Chloe Mains. That's going to be really dope. I'm excited about that. We tried to go in and, and get that done for everybody and, and we're going to make it happen in time. Just couldn't line it all up, mm -hmm. um, but that's coming. I'm excited about that treatment. It's going to be shot around here. And like I said, I don't want to give away too much, um, but okay. it's going to be, it's going to, and then of course, um, natural causes is dropping in June 24. That's a, that's nine tracks. I'm excited about that. And then I'm, I'm working on my next project. 2023 is going to be chess game. So I'm excited about that's going to be going back again, going back to the roots. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to actually capture, um, that feeling. They right. talked about it, about what it felt like when we was out there in ciphers, ripping it on a block. Yeah. Or what are the things that, what are those stories that got me, you know, that got me to, uh, to be, yeah. All right. So we like to end every episode with the same three questions, but we're going to switch it up a little bit because even though you're a local boy, you grew up right around the corner here on Beacon, you're from all over Connecticut and you rep Connecticut hard. So yes, you do. thank you for it. Thank you for that. You. With that in mind the first question is what is your favorite thing about hartford and then what is your favorite thing about connecticut hartford is is is, is an underdog i feel like we're stuck in between a lot of metro, major metropolitan cities hartford's had its up and downs of course through the years but i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of great in hartford right um and, and I, I think for all the ups and downs there's still a lot of great. So I think there's a lot of culture here. I think it has a lot to offer. And and the, the people of Hartford, it's a diverse it's a diverse group of people. I think that's what I love the most. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not the first time you heard of me. And I love that answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So question number two. If you were mayor for the day or governor for the day, and you could change one thing, and one thing only about the city of Hartford and the state of Connecticut more generally. What would you do? Yeah, I would have a sit down with the local officials, the governor, and, and, and I would talk about uh, finally getting rid of the, the viaducts, mm. Open, opening all that up. Yes. I saw, I, I listened to y'all's <laughs> podcast about that um, and access. Um, it's been a thing. It's always been a thing. It continues to be it. Leaving Hartford, leaving the center of Greater Hartford, and being where I am, I understand access now. Mm -hmm. right. And so you can bring jobs, you can bring housing, 
you can bring sports teams, but if you can't make it accessible, it does not grow, it does not grow economy, it doesn't grow business, and it doesn't have maximum change. So, mm -hmm. preach, preach. <laughs> My God. Giving me goosebumps over here. <laughs> you ain't laughing at <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And talk to him. Yeah. My mother, you know what I mean? She was a single mom and you know what I mean? She struggled to put food on the table and, and do and, and grind in her nine to five and eight. It was a great uncoupling. I talk about that in chess game. Divorce was on the rise. It didn't matter what color, what color culture you were. Um, it was the eighties. And so access for her even us being wonder bread white people like it was tough yeah right and, and she still she still goes through that mm -hmm. i mean shouts out to her she won't retire um, and i tell her all the time i'm like yo i don't know how you do it you've been caught in this grind all your life and it's you don't mind doing that commute and it's tough i did it for a short time i had my little run with corporate america um mm -hmm. and I, I stepped away from it now but i was in a situation where i worked in the mortgage industry mm -hmm. for the subprime meltdown and I relate my time in the sub, uh, subprime mortgage world, uh, world to the movie Boiler. I don't know if you ever, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. seen that movie. That's you know, mm -hmm. a reference, but it was like we knew what we were doing, but not necessarily what we were actually doing and the effect that it had on people right. once the recession took place. But I, I, I said that because at the time I still hadn't, I still hadn't moved to where I live now, mm -hmm. and I always felt like, man, this is just such a grind. And they go through that in Boston, they go through that in New York. But it was just always, it's, it's, we, we've gotten more populated. We've gotten more condensed. And I mean, you look at the amount of people that are going back and forth for commerce and, and just to make a living. It's, it wears, it right. wears and tears. Not to mention what it did to block off the city. Mm -hmm. to, to intentionally block off the city. And I always felt it, you know what I mean? And I know they talked about putting things under, I mean, I mean, I'm just gonna speak on it. The study's whack. They've had plenty of time to do what they need to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They should have came to resolve by now. Uh -huh. And they need to move this city forward. Yeah. You know, and do what they're gonna do. Stop talking about it and be about it. Open right. this city up. Make it metropolitan. Make it show the things that this city has to offer. Make it diverse. Bring people together. Get rid of it. And and they've had plenty of time to do it. And I thought they were gonna do it by now. But they continue to kick you know, the can down the street. Yep. yep. Great wow. Yeah. Answer, All right. <laughs> man, what's what's our third question? No, I, I remember, but oh man. Holy shit. All right. Hidden gems. Yeah, there's a lot of great things about this city and about this state that do not get enough attention. What are some of those in your opinion that you'd like to shine a light on? Yeah. I think it's I think it's the ability to and I won't say it's the ability to move freely across the town, because y'all know how I feel about that. But I think it's I think it's our venues, our music venues. I, and I, I touched upon CMP uh, mm -hmm. Springfield, and that's out of state. I just think that some of these venues that accept local music and on uh, national acts, it's just great for them. You know, places like Toad's Place. Mm -hmm. I just saw an article a second the other day on a venue in somewhere in Connecticut called Bonnaroo Inn that had all these national blues acts mm -hmm. um, and rock and roll acts um, at the time there. And uh, not Jimmy Koplick, but um, another individual who works with Mohegan Sun now, he's heavily vested in the history of that. Hmm. And he was saying how, you know, at a time, the Bonnaroo Inn was like the spot. You had, they were getting like blues artists from Chicago and just all different diverse cats to come. And it was like, if you didn't play the Bonnaroo Inn, he was nobody. So I think Toad's Place 
It's an institution. Um, yeah. They've hosted Webby year after year. He's been successful. Um, he's sold out. They continue to bring. They continue to bring acts of all genres, and I just think it's great. And then you have College Street Music. Um, shouts out to them. I saw Wu Tang playing. I saw. I'm sorry. I saw Ray Jizza and uh, a Post Killer a while back, and that was a dope show. To see them close. To see them still doing what they do. And me, I'm also a student. I really don't. I like the party aspect still, but really, when I go to shows, shows when I go to shows now, I'm really studying. Mm -hmm. It's really me doing my homework. Right. I'm seeing how they move on stage, mm -hmm. um, how they MC, because I feel like that's still important. You have to still be able to control the crowd. KRS one talks yeah. about that all. The time. Another guy I can remember going to see him. Um, at Toad's place and just being he is a, he is he is a master he is a master yeah, and master just, ceremony yeah, MC, yeah. and he has the ability to entertain and and, and spit knowledge yeah. and speak knowledge mm -hmm. um, but the meadows I know they've corporatized now to Xfinity but in the heyday when they first started great acts with the smoking grooves I was there for the uh, Wu-Tang Clan rage oh, that? yeah. wow <laughs> that's a whole other podcast yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it was dope um, it was dope yeah. <laughs> the riot was awesome. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> um, yeah. But I saw Black Eyed Peas there and uh, Pre Fergie. But I remember when, when their album first came out, and I was just, we were super fans of them. And, and it was crazy because I, I, I linked up with them again in Rhode Island. Uh -huh. And I'm the type of guy I will go out to shows, right. I will travel if I'm really, if I believe in the arts. And I remember him being like, Yo, I remember you from the Meadows. You know what I mean? We had that conversation. Work. And you hear Parliament Funkadelics on stage, jamming, and they're in the best, you know what I mean, where they have the food. They're, they're bonkers, eating their pizza, and we're just chopping it up with them. Yeah. Right, right. And this is when nobody knew what they were bringing. And it was just dope that he remembered. Yeah. So I feel like the venues around here culturally is great. If kids coming up are fans of music, any genre, you have it. You have the ability. You have all these great venues at your disposal, all different types of genre music. Go out, support. Don't just stream. Um, don't just consume your, your your music that way. Go out and see it and appreciate what they're doing, and then maybe that's going to inspire you. Man. And to see the work that right. you know artists put in, you know what I mean, to go where they get to. Thank man. you so much for this, man. This has been such a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. All right. The last thing we need to do, D. Valens, is you got to promo yourself. You got to tell our audience where can they find your stuff. How can they follow you? How can they stay up to date on what you're doing and make sure that they're following? Yes, sir. So you can uh, check me out on Instagram, uh, Divalence Official. Uh, I'm on uh, YouTube, on Twitter. Yeah, I'm out there. You know what I mean? And, you know, get at me. Soon there'll be a website. You can always email me with any questions. It's getatdvalence.com for any advice on your career or you just want to chop it up. I'm willing to talk to people and try to and try to pass down the inner workings of things and maybe help foster a career of the next generation. Hell yeah. All right, we'll get all those links in the show notes. We appreciate you, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on. Thank this you, has Ken. been amazing. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, D. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Heartbeat with your hosts, Cam and D-Rock. We hope you enjoyed the boys' interview today with rapper Diva Lens. Be sure to check out his album, Midnight Sun, which is available for your listening pleasure through a number of fine music services, links for which are included in the show notes. Join the guys next week when they are joined by guest host Ali Kiff from the Old State House in Hartford 
and local historian Dan Sterner to chat about Dan's books and YouTube series focused on the lost buildings and history of Hartford. As always, you can head over to theheartbeatct.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review as well wherever you're listening to this. It goes a long way towards helping people discover the show. Thank you to the Spigot Cafe for hosting, to Diva Lens for joining us, and to Javan Carlo for writing our theme music. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next week on The Heartbeat. Thank you.